everyone and welcome to a brand new school year and a brand new season of Word on the Street. This is now our fifth season and our first episode of the season. So welcome back. Thank you for uh, watching and listening in from our stuff last year and hopefully coming back again. Um, so as you may or may not know, my name is Anissa. I am an SIE, she, her pronouns, SIE at the uh, Rainbow Resource Center. Um, and I'm here usually on the voice of the podcast, but I also have some other lovely voices. So I'm going to go ahead and give it to, off to my other SIEs to introduce themselves. Uh, my name is Shrey. I'm a fellow SIE. Uh, I use he and pronouns. Hi, I'm Nicole. I use she, her pronouns, and I also work at the RRC. Hello, I'm also a fellow RRC uh, worker, and my name is Kiara, and I use she, they pronouns. Wait, I should add, I'm also in the RRC. <laughs> all right perfect and then if our guests uh from kipaka would like to introduce themselves please do so yeah hi everyone uh my name is sada i am a senior uh and i am the co-chair and one of the founders for uh the kipak association uh an association for queer people of color uh short short name uh kupaka <laughs> or kupoke i don't know <laughs> some people say different things oh and i use he they and she pronouns i'm comfortable with yeah hi everyone i'm juliana i'm the events coordinator for kupak association um i'm from south texas i am a sophomore i use she her pronouns and my major is public health all right. Thank you so much for everyone introducing yourselves. Um, so the reason that we are doing this podcast, well, there's a lot of reasons we're doing this podcast, but uh, one of the main reasons was that somebody last year had uh, requested that we talk about sexuality and gender identity and discussing it with BIPOC parents and family members. So with National Coming Out Day uh, looming around the corner from us, it's a few days away for uh, when we're recording now and hopefully having it released either the day before or on that day. Uh, we'll see when I finish editing. But uh, we just wanted to come in and share that person's story a little bit. They wrote in a little bit of dialogue and then we're going to talk about our own experiences or any advice that we have to give for anybody. So this story comes from Chloe, she, her, and she shares, COVID was a time when I, where I got to explore and learn about myself. Despite the bad and negative that COVID has brought, if it wasn't for COVID, I don't think I would have understood and found my sexuality. I used to be so sure that I was straight, but when you have the time with just yourself, you can learn a lot. After coming out as bisexual, as a femme presenting woman of color, it's hard when people don't believe you or invalidate your sexuality. But honestly, I feel like my most authentic self and couldn't be happier, especially with my amazing girlfriend. So I have a lot to unpack with this because I feel like I have a very similar story to my own coming out. But I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to any of y'all, any reactions or uh, personal things that you hear while hearing uh, Chloe's story. I mean, yay for, yay for you, Chloe. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> um yeah I think I I came out at such a young age uh so for me in terms of in terms of coming out I came out to my immediate family like my uh parents and sister uh when I was like 15 uh like first year of high school but uh in terms of my extended family I actually haven't um come out yet which I think we're talking a little bit about today uh but no, I'm not out yet to my extended family, but uh, yeah, so I don't have a similar experience, but um, in terms of late in life with your immediate family, but I'm glad for you, like, you know, any time is the best time for you, overall. <laughs> I also do want to talk about exploring your sexuality during COVID, because I have like pretty much the same thing. Before COVID, I was 100% sure that I'm straight. There's something to think about. But then when you had all those months where you were, you know, with yourself, not that many people, life slowed down. I really started thinking. And during those like first several months of the pandemic was when I really thought, 
something is up, something is different. And of course, at the end of that process, you know, I realized I was gay. Uh, but yeah, I definitely had pretty much the exact same thing. Um, COVID was definitely a time of exploration um, for myself and time that I needed to, to unpack all of that, to unpack my sexuality with myself before I could uh, tell others. I just want to recognize the biphobia in her story. Um, yes, coming out to your family is very hard. Coming out to your friends is very hard, but it's when they say they accept you, but then tell you, oh, you probably just like girls or, oh, you're probably just confused. That's so harmful. I came out as um, pansexual or omnisexual and they, I get it all the time. You're confused. Like, no, like it's one or the other. Like, you don't like, no. So I resonate with that experience. Um, even within the LGBT, LGBTQ community, there are people who um, exclusively like one gender. And so sometimes even from within your community, um, you get that kind of, I guess, disbelief. Um, and I just want to say you are not the only one and your sexuality is valid despite what everyone else may think. For me though, when I think about it, um, when we use the word biphobia, I don't know if that, that's the term I would explicitly attribute to that, only because even if I think uh, Chloe came out as lesbian, if they identified as a lesbian, it's an easy thing to say with your family, you're confused. Uh, I think that though, you know, I, I, I initially came out as a bisexual. I'm currently, in terms of COVID exploration, I'm currently judging whether or not I'm a lesbian, I'm not sure. Um, but I initially, when I was 15, came out as um, bisexual. And I think that the biphobia is like more so from, okay, it's fine if you're bisexual, but we want you to end up with a man, you know? Um, that I think is a common thing to see from especially, um, uh, at least when my family was first um, getting their bearings on this situation. They're, su they're supportive now. Um, but yeah, there's that initial shock factor, yeah. Um, I feel like I kind of have a lot to say with like everything, but um, back to like the COVID thing, um, I was going to say like for me, for a long time, I thought that I was just bisexual, nothing else. And like with COVID, kind of the same thing, like it helped me like figure out who I really am. And that's when I started figuring out like, oh, I'm not just bisexual, I'm pansexual. And so like, I would say like that time that I had to myself made me really figure out who I was because even being bisexual, I just always felt like I still don't know like who I am, what I am type of thing, you know? Um, and then like, um, as for the biphobia part, it's so funny because like with me, I have a different experience because like I have a boyfriend and like, when I tell people that I'm pansexual, they're like, they don't really believe me because they're like, well, you have a boyfriend. And I'm like, do you not know what like pansexual means? Like, I don't, and, and nobody like believes me. It's so like weird. They're like, no, you just like, you just think girls are pretty or stuff like that. And you know, you have a boyfriend, you've been with him for a while. You're not actually pansexual. And it's just like, so weird. Like, as a, you know, as a person who has a partner, you know, and it's the opposite sex, like, it's just weird, like, that people always, like, assume that, um, and then the last thing I wanted to say was, like, for the coming out part, um, I have personally, like, struggled with that, like, I don't really know why I have either, and it's been, like, a really big struggle for me, because, like, I haven't came out to my parents and like my brother is gay and he came out to our parents like I think sophomore year of high school and it's so weird because like my parents they're very accepting and you know very welcoming to everything and like whenever my brother came out they were totally like okay with it you know very chill and it's just so weird because 
I just, I can't do it. And I don't even know why. And so like, it makes me think like, I can't imagine what it's like for people who don't have parents that are like mine and they can't even come out. And it's just crazy. And I think it's because there's like a very big stigma to coming out. And I think that's why I'm just so nervous about it. Um, But I don't know. I just, I think it's crazy that I still can't even do it, even knowing like who my parents are, you know? I think when it comes to, thank you for sharing that. I think when it something that I've kind of somewhat with a close person to me who just recently came up to their family. Uh, when it comes to like AFAB people and you know femme people uh, coming out is with their with their specifically their fathers. When you think about it, for them, like typically, uh, you know, cis men uh, kind of grow up thinking of lesbianism and thinking of women loving women relationships as something that's you know still rooted like we're, we're getting to that misogyny we're still rooted in you know attraction for men and that's something that's like as we see you know pleasuring to men like they they like each other because it's visually stimulating for the man to see um and uh thinking about like your daughter uh in that context like it's 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 not to them a or a sexual orientation it's a fetish fetishization and so a- applying that to your daughter it can be really uh tricky to wrap your head around which is why I think that like it's it's I once got like something to me uh a guy said to me like oh but like homophobia towards like women's not like that bad is it like because I think to them they kind of just we don't even have to talk about the violence aspect like corrective rape and things like that but uh from a violence standpoint they don't see it as much uh towards women uh and so yeah totally there's that fear uh yeah so thank you for saying that um you said something earlier I was gonna say something too I forgot Sorry. No, we could totally wrap back around if it comes back into your head. But um, I was going to share part of what Chloe had said in uh, her story and then what was brought up in conversation right now. Um, I also uh, did a lot of self-exploration during COVID. I had never like really, I had told people that I was straight, but one, nobody believed me. <laughs> like my close group of friends, uh, I also, I think this is important to share, is that I'm uh, a graduate student here. So I did my undergraduate at uh, CSU Monterey Bay, and I was friends with a lot of people and very involved with queer issues there, but I was just there as an ally. <laughs> um, but so all my friends were like, okay, yeah, we we know if anything you're bi. And it turned out I actually am pansexual and that's how I still identify now. But it took me being by myself during COVID to actually like resonate and like really find the word for what I was feeling because I had heard by so many times, but I was like, I feel that that's right, but there's just, it's not the exact label that I want. And for whatever reason that could be, it, I think a lot of that also plays into the uh, fetishization and sexualization of uh, sapphic love and romantic relationships in that sense. Um, but two, I also wanted to speak to the invalidation of bisexuality. So when I actually came out to my, uh, family, I come from a mixed family. My mom is Portuguese and my dad is Mexican, uh, came out to my mom. My mom's reaction, uh, was more or less like, yeah, I know that, but I was like, okay, I, it took me 22 years to get here. So can you like, just be a little more happy? Can you not just like throw it in my face? Cause I hate that. Um, but I was really, really scared to come out to my dad specifically because uh, growing up, he had a very like machismo-esque attitude. Uh, so there was a lot of like, uh, I heard the F slurs th- thrown around so often in my house, like he didn't even think about like what he was saying. And actually I'm a part of the grad program. I am also in the LGBTQ plus emphasis for counseling. So I'm aiming to be a queer therapist and uh, serve the queer and BIPOC community. Um, but we were talking about recently how uh, 
with invalidation to bisexuality, pansexuality, and uh, omnisexuality, like in that sphere, uh, how much our fathers actually do play a role into that because of the fetishization that was discussed. Um, but as well as the fact that specifically the experience to come out um, in a BIPOC setting, for my background, it was coming out in a Mexican household, uh, was rooted in a lot of the homophobia and transphobia that is elicited in those communities. Uh, it comes from fear because you're already in a uh, cis white society. So there's an extra layer of fear that I'm like, oh, I'm worried for you, or at least that's the excuse that is given. Um, however, it's, I wanna reiterate, cause this was said earlier, it is any time that you come out is the perfect time. If you never come out, you're still valid. Uh, no matter what your identity is, no matter what partner you have at the time, which, okay, that's where I was going with that. Uh, I came out to my mom. She said, yeah, I know. But then she kind of like overcorrected and was like, okay, I think you should date this girl. I think you should be with this girl. And completely like 180 and went over and was like, okay, you're a lesbian. And that's how my mom also still refers to me. And I was like, no so then earlier in the year when I was like oh I've been seeing this guy and she like looked at me she was like oh so that was just a phase and I was like no 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 pansexual mom pan there is anybody everybody and so like yeah so I just wanted to reiterate those points because that was a lot of my story as well something to like the bisexual listeners or something I think that's like important to provide in terms of context when which sucks having to explain bisexuality and I say that as an umbrella term for pansexuality homosexuality everything uh how like when you think about it the amount of queer people that exist versus the amount of like straight men that exist when you're thinking about it from uh you know, uh, women's perspective, a bisexual woman's perspective. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's significantly more straight men to choose from uh, just in terms of who you have access to. So it makes perfect sense for someone who's bisexual to end up with, you know, men, like <laughs> uh, depending on like what community you surround yourself with, but yeah. And one more, one more thing I also want to add to was you talked about uh, when you would come out, um, like how when you like came out to your mom and all that, she was like, yeah, I know, verbatim, <laughs> same thing happened with my mom. Like, literally, when I, when I came out, she's like, yeah, I, I kind of knew, and I'm like, mom, that's not what I want to hear. Like, you know, like, maybe you'll say that later, but when I just come out to you, when it, I had to spend... I mean, from the time I came out to myself to the time I came out to my, um, to my mom, dad, and brother, and to came, came out to everyone else, that was a full year. A full year I went having to get the like the courage and get get it together to do it. And it's the first thing you say. I'm just, I was like, they could have just said thanks for sharing that, um, and like I'll be supportive, um, and like maybe say those for saying yeah, I already knew. Like that's just one thing you mentioned earlier. I really want to bring up because it just. That really did bug me, especially once like I did all of this and it felt like I did, I, I was making a, and it just like, for me, it felt like I made a big deal for what? Um, and, and it was also just, I was expecting something different, a better answer. I think that is like what I'm most afraid of, which is like so weird is I'm afraid of that response. So I'd rather just be like, okay, I just won't say anything because I don't want that response, you know? Um, yeah. I think though, like, uh, obviously the thing is we're talking about this at a college level, like we're all, depending on how dependent, we, it's all very different for all of us, but how dependent you are on your family. I think that there's a certain vulnerability and like stage in your life that comes with being out to your parents and it's like until you pass that it's hard it's hard to be in queer relationships just period like my girlfriend uh just recently came out to her parents 
And, um, you know, before that, it, it, it's, it is hard on the relationship when you're dating somebody who's not out to their parents because there's like, there's this block. Um, and there's an emotional maturity that comes with being out to your parents. Uh, and there's just like, there's a lack of openness when you're not out of out to your parents in terms of what you can provide your significant other with so it's like I kind of I don't want to say I push or like I tell people like come out to your parents because it's all obviously very dependent on what your situation is but I I say it's better I say it's better to one know who your true family is um I'm a big you know speaker towards chosen family and things like that which is like if we're talking about this in the BIPOC context it's already so difficult because like when you're thinking from like a marginalized like person's perspective with being a person of color and being of like a say a marginalized ethnicity um you know that family that person that those people who share that experience with you from day one you know they might not be the people it's already so small and then they're not the people maybe who can provide you that family aspect in terms of queer identity which is why we have Kupaka by the way so come join um but even so I'm a big proponent of chosen family and I think that it's just important to be out in your family if you're ever going to reach you know certain levels in your life it's just I, I can say that for me, it's just, it's better. That's why I keep pushing off. I keep pushing off being uh, out to my extended family because I know that some people are not going to like it. You know, like I, I like the whispers and things like that of towards gay people and, um, uh, you know, things like that growing up with my extended family. But I know that once, once you're out, it's just like, it's just, it's, it's out, it's out there. Like, I'm like I'm the person that I am um nothing's changing that um people can choose whether or not they're going to be in your life um and you can be vulnerable like the people that you love yeah I'm not trying to push you Juliana (laughs) I'm just trying to give you the words of encouragement that it might help your life yeah yeah, and I, I kind of want to speak to that as well, because I realized when I was talking about my coming out story, I actually didn't go into, like, my father's reaction. Uh, so, yeah, he was a Mexican man. He is, he, I was scared of because of his uh, homophobia, because of the house, household he grew up in, too. It was riddled with uh, Catholic and Christian event, evangelical uh, beliefs and all that stuff um but I was so scared to tell him I told my mom first and I was like I'm not gonna tell my dad the first person I actually did come out to was my best friend um and okay Juliana thank you so much for joining I know you have to go to class right now but I just wanted to say thank you again for joining and thank you so much again yeah no you're good you're good but thank you again for joining in your for your story and your shares as well Okay, bye. Have a good day, y'all. Bye. Um, but yeah, I was so afraid to come out to him because I didn't, I, there was a genuine fear that he may react with not violence, but with disappointment. And I was like, okay, so I'm not going to tell him for a while. I came out to my mom on Mother's Day. I came out through a card and that's where she was like, okay, whatever. And then uh, I finally was like, you know what? My sister was just like, I think dad would understand. And like, I know that my dad like loves me and things like that, but there was still that fear that was looming over. Like, how would he view me now? We already don't have the most intimate relationship as far as like our closeness at the time. Um, And so finally that day, later that night, after also everyone had been drinking, uh, (laughs) I go and I just show my dad the card and he I look at him and I'm sitting there crying shaking and he looks up and he starts to cry too and he just gives me the biggest hug and he's like I'm so sorry that it took you so long I'm sorry that you felt that way and then my mom came in and pushed him out of the way and was like I need water because we're standing in front of the seat (laughs) so my mom killed that like moment with my dad but because they reacted to the way that they did I was like I feel better as a person I feel like that I'm more comfortable and so I took that point and that's where I was like I can come out to my extended family 
However, they took it a lot worse. And so like that fear of extended family and them talking, especially because they don't see you every single day, um, is very valid and very real and something that I personally went through. Uh, like whether or not they were outwardly speaking of their disapproval or they were just talking amongst themselves and being like, okay, we don't want Anissa here anymore or we just want to step away from her because she's too... Also, a lot of my family is super Republican and it's really gross and annoying and conservative. Um, so it there was a lot of pain that then where I was in a good place and then a lot of pain that followed. Um, but now two years later, um, I think they all just either one forgot or just don't really. It's not as big as a deal anymore because I've been very vocal and uh, I know that they have noticed a change in me because of me finally feeling free to be my authentic self or however else anybody wants to describe that. They're like, you look happier because I was the child that was always crying and always upset. They're like, you actually smile now. And that's amazing. So yeah, just another little perspective of out, outer family, because I think that is where a lot of the struggle comes from as well is like those extended family members and what are they going to think because they're not around you all the time yeah well and, some of us families of color like there's just so many of them isn't there <laughs> um like my mom is the oldest of nine um and i think with um us you know bipoc and with us families of color uh there's in when when you're one first gen i'm a first gen american uh, I come from like an immigrant family. Uh, there's a cert, there's one like a pressure to validate the sacrifices that your parents made uh, for to put you like as a child, like where you are. And it almost feels like when you do anything outside of like the perfect child, like, you know, a slap in the face to what they did for you to be able to be where you're sat. Um, I think for, I think that there's, that's something my mom would never admit, but the way that like I discuss it with her and she goes about like conversations with me is she says, like, I, I believe she's, my mom's just a worrier. She says, she's just scared that I keep making my life harder then it needs to be like one I'm a person of color two I'm femme presenting um uh three I I came out as bisexual four and now I think I'm a lesbian and you know and then five I'm dating somebody who's you know mask which makes people confused as to like well that's a whole other conversation we could have of like why are you, you know, dating a girl if they're masked? You know, like, what's the point? Why not date a man? And so she just keeps getting scared for me to keep adding challenges to my life. And I think that when you're coming from a BIPOC perspective, your life is already so, like, freaking... <coughs> There's already so much to deal with. And so not only adding... Not only adding... a difficulty to that but lessening the amount of people that you get to have in your life because we can't think of it as like in terms of our marginalized like identities as like additive in that like well in regards to my BIPOC experience and in regards to that ex uh, community aspect that I need I'll hang out here for that and then for the queer community I'll hang out here for that no because within those community there it's that you have that reason for needing the other community you know so like within like you know the queer community like within like a bunch of white people there's a I need my BIPOC community and within the BIPOC community I need my queer community you know like it's an intersectional we have to think of ourselves as like it's a holistic identity describing all of who we are so limiting the amount of people who essentially get to be in your life um yeah that's 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 that <laughs>
Hey y'all, it's Anissa here, taking a little break from the conversation that we're having in the podcast to let you know about a little bit of things that we have coming on in the next coming weeks. First, I would like to talk about uh, Kupaka and who actually is a guest today on our podcast episode. Uh, they have general meetings every Thursday from 5.35 to 6.35 p.m. in the Chappelle Lounge. And if you want, you can go ahead and give them a follow on Instagram at Kupaka underscore SCU. That's at Q-P-O-C-A underscore SCU. Also on the docket, the OML and RRC would like to welcome you to join our event called A Night in Latin America. This is going to be happening October 15th from 7 to 9 p.m. in Locatelli Center, where we will be instructing dance, celebrating Latinx heritage. It's a very awesome event. Please, please come out if you can. Once again, that's October 15th, 7 to 9 p.m. at the Locatelli Center. From the RRC specifically, and from me of course, we have a weekly event called Queer Craft Corner happening every Friday from 11.30am to 1.30pm. You could find us at the OML House, aka 832 Market Street, where we come by, make different crafts. On October 14th, we will be making crochet beanies, so please come out and join us. We would love to have you there. Continuing on with more things from Queer Craft Corner, we will also be hosting a button design workshop with Central Valley artist Riley Jane. That is going to be happening Friday, October 21st from 11.30am to 1.30pm at the OML house. Uh, if you can, follow the link below and register uh, for your own art supplies and to get some artwork from Riley Jane. That will be another thing that we would love to have you come and join us for so please 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 come check us out and come join us for that event as well and last but certainly not least the rainbow resource center presents queer horror night on saturday october 29th we will be viewing the mu the movie rift from 2017. the movie begins at 7 p.m in the williman room uh rsvp if you can that will also be linked below Movie will begin at 7, like I said. Stacks and drinks will also be provided. Come and hang out and enjoy a lovely queer horror film. And with that, let's go ahead and get back to the episode. Um, so I just want to speak upon a point that you made that, like, your mom being, like, worried about you for, like, adding on to your already um, um, person of color identity. Um, I struggled with that, like, internally. Like, I didn't have, no one really, because I was, for a long time, I really was looking, especially during COVID, like trying to figure myself out like you guys were, like you all were. And for the longest time, I was thinking like, if I, like, if I really am committed to like um, discovering who I am, I'm like essentially making things worse for myself and um, isolating myself even more. And that really um, put me in a, a stuck place for a while. Um, but I don't know, I think, kind of just being here and being like surrounded by more people of color, especially queer people of color, have really helped me like feel a bit better about myself that I'm just, I am not alone. For a long time, I did feel that I was alone because I went to school and I wouldn't, I hardly saw people like me or people, if they were like me, they wouldn't, no one was openly talking about these things. So I really felt like alone in this whole situation. But the fact that I'm here at Santa Clara and there are clubs um, for people who look like me and clubs of, for queer people. I now feel a bit more seen and I'm glad that we have these clubs here. So we have like a small community to like just talk to and just vent to each other and be able to support each other because especially being here at Santa Clara because this being here is a lot uh, <laughs> with all people that don't look like us. So I'm glad we have our little uh, spaces to ourselves because it's these moments and these clubs that really help us like build and build, build up for each other. I mean, yeah, the, these are the reasons why me and um, my partner, my co-chair started Kupaka um, is conversations and needs like this because we didn't, we didn't have anything like this. We had TLC, which like, um, you know, tried, uh, but specifically this, um like need for having a designated uh space for that and for one never feeling like the thing is like 
I think we all can say like whenever you're in a space that is not familiar to you uh familiar as in like you don't see yourself and the people around you there's you know and there's like a sense of like uneasiness um and caution like having your walls up uh and like having a space where that's like not necessary as like why we started Kipaka um but yeah thank you for sharing that and one more thing I want to add too is like you're adding on to having these spaces for us it is definitely is definitely very nice because I have the you know, same thing um Kira is you know in high school and like back before college there weren't really any uh queer clubs or anything like that I mean queer club in Dallas that would have not gone well uh yeah yeah it really would have gone well and it's nice that you know we have we have an office for it, rainbow resource center we have clubs you know dedicated to it and of course SU does have its own issues its own history but still it just it definitely is very nice to have and actually to, I want to add one more thing too is that with having having like an official office and everything um not all universities have that like I have a friend who goes to um a university in the south okay yeah. then university of oklahoma um so they do have like an office for this kind of thing uh like the rainbow resource center but no one is allowed to get paid it has to be all volunteer work you no know, the board of trustees or regents whoever said that this wasn't you know it was they weren't allowed to have this as paid work their whole like rc equivalent all had to be volunteer no one getting paid so they it's definitely good that we are at this, you know, level. we have a paid, we get paid for the work we do. We have like funding and resources, but of course we could always use it more. Um, I will yeah. say though, on that point, to be fair, like when we have, the thing is the multicultural center is similar to the office of multicultural learning, except it's entirely student run. Mm. And like, barely any like when I think when I think about what makes SCU what what an SCU like provides the community to me I think of the multicultural center and maybe that's because that's primarily where a lot of my like work is and you know clubs that I've started on this campus but when it comes to the people who make SCU a community for me it's the students the students because the students they genuinely care here and that's why the MCC is like what it is. Um, and the MCC, like last year, I think was the first time that MCC staff, which is the same as like all y'all's positions was paid. And that wasn't like on an hourly basis that it was, that was on a stipend basis. And that was, we get this, this stipend, we were told that it would be a little over 800 for each quarter. But literally after I, I was on staff last year, literally after um you know the quarter we were told oh no it's not for the quarter it's for the year and so I was getting 800 for the year but I was working almost 10 hour weeks so that's like a fifth of the minimum wage for me uh for my job uh in the multicultural center part of why I didn't return even though they're getting paid hourly now this year but they're getting paid hourly, not as an additive, like how the center assistants are getting paid. They're getting paid out of the center student involvements budget. Uh, multicultural center staff is getting paid out of the multicultural center's budget. So the budget that's supposed to be going to like culture shows and things like that is getting used to pay the staff who run the center like any other center, like the Office of Multicultural uh, Learning and the Center for Student Involvement and that, 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 that. So I will say to that, we still have some presence of that energy going on over here. Not a lot of, in terms of like BIPOC, we do not have a lot of um, support, um, but that's why we're growing in numbers. That's why we start, that's why I just started two clubs, African Student Association and uh, Queer People of Color Association. Cause once we grew, when we're growing more and more numbers, it's harder for admin to, we're allowed to talk about admin, yeah. Uh, it's harder for admin to say no. Um, so yeah, still a presence of that, unfortunately. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. I did not know that it was stipend last year, and they and they did that switching around. Is, is that illegal? Like like switching it around uh, like that? I think we 
technically when you do things on a stipend basis, you can, because it's a stipend basis, put pay below the minimum wage because you're not recording hours. And the amount of hours I work is subject to like discussion, like, oh, they didn't work that amount of hours. <laughs> um, but now I was close, I was work. Uh, everybody on staff was working. And now everybody on this, and now everybody on the staff feels like they can't work the amount of hours that the MCC needs uh, because they don't want to take money out of the budget. Uh, and so we have just a center that needs people working like the appropriate and necessary amount of hours, but they literally can't or they, they don't report it because uh, they don't want to take that money out of our budget. So even though we were promised that it would be not paid out of our budget, but yeah. It's definitely good then to get the word out about these things because, I mean, if people know and if people complain, they can only ignore, as Sarah said, they can only ignore us for so long. Um, but it's definitely it's definitely good to know that this is this is what's happening um, in the MCC, what happened last year in the MCC staff and what's happening now this year. Uh, that's also why, you know, we wanted to have a faction of the multicultural center focused towards queer voices because we wanted also like a, a vote in like what the multicultural center looks like to be voiced by like queer people of color um, because we're such a minority in each individual club um, this way like our in our our voices in terms of what the MCC looks like cannot be ignored so I implore you all I don't know if that's the right word I I push you all to um, come join us. We meet, this is coming out on Tuesday. So we meet on Thursday. So come this Thursday. Yeah. Um, I, we, I'm noticing that we, we have uh, just maybe about 15 to 20 minutes left. Um, and I wanna, I think it was really important that we talked about uh, one representation on campus and uh, what places you can go to such, such as Kipaka and uh, like being that voice. I also want to speak to uh, and elaborate more on chosen family, and then also ask if anybody who has come out to uh, not even extend family, but their immediate families, what tips do you have for somebody who is struggling with that, or um, or any tips for what you should do prior to that, or make sure that you have after you come out. Um, so if anybody wants to hit any of those topics, go ahead, feel free, and then I'll chime in as we go. Yeah, so I think that one of the great things about a club like Yupaka is for those people that are struggling to come out, finding your chosen family before coming out to your like biological family is setting a support system for in case it goes bad like that alleviates some of the worry. You're like, if this does go bad, cause we're all very privileged that like, they say, oh, I know. That's a very privileged stance because some people really do get like cut off from their support systems. So I think that going to a place like Kupaka or just finding chosen family um, can help you in that coming out process. I also am a huge fan of like informal coming out. Like, oh, I'm talking to this girl. Like, oh, like. <laughs> Or just like bring them home with like, I mean, that might not be the right decision if you think it's going to go poorly, but <laughs> yeah, <think> it's best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, it doesn't have to be like, okay, sit down. I have something to tell you. Um, I think informal coming out is a great tool. Um, I agree. I, I, I tried to do in. The thing is, for mine, when it comes to coming out, the only people I have formally come out to and would ever formally come out to is my immediate family when I was like 15 years old. And then my extended family, specifically the ones on my mom's side, because they all have young children. And I hate this discussion. I hate this discussion. But, you know, thinking about like the way that my family is structured, um, it's that for some parents, and I'm not going to freaking argue about it because, like, with these specific parents, you know, like, my relationship is different with each individual, like, uh, auntie and uncle. I just don't feel comfortable coming out to one and then not the other. But, <clears throat> like, they would want to discuss homosexuality 
and queerness, you know, at their own pace with their children. And for that reason, I would do formally coming out and say, okay, this is not something I'm comfortable like, like hiding from, because I essentially hide it from the kids because I'm the oldest of all of them. Um, and this is not something that I'm really comfortable hiding anymore because it's getting annoying. It, it, like truthfully, it's getting annoying because um, I don't know, like, like your little cousins look up to you and want to know all about your life. And this is a huge part of my life that I don't get to share. Um, so yeah, I said, I'm not comfortable sharing, I'm like, you know, keeping it from the cousins that much anymore. So y'all can decide how much you would like to be in my life. I'm just going to keep coming, going how I like to do going to family events and things like that. If you don't want your cousin, like your kid you know, if you don't want your kid, like, around me, or me talking to your kid about it, that's a you decision, not me, um, but that's a conversation in order to be, in order for it to go down okay, um, and to avoid as much drama as possible, I would formally, uh, come out for, and that's, like, I guess the advice I would give for everybody who has a similar situation going on, <clears throat> but for everyone else, like, this is funny, uh like for like my mom's and my, my mom and dad's like family friends and like everybody else it's informal I every single one of them I came out to them just saying oh yeah this is my girlfriend <laughs> do you want to see a picture of us like at Christmas in the park <laughs> like that was last last year uh, that type of thing <laughs> you know and talking about uh the in, like the informal coming out too it did definitely help a bit because for my parents as former my brother it was informal like he like I don't know he just mentioned something um and then I just like came out and he's like wait what wait really okay and all that and a little push my mom too because I did need that push because I was like come on now help me um because I was procrastinating that's something too is try not to procrastinate on coming out because, I mean, and of course, don't get me wrong, it's very daunting, all of that. Um, and it does really take a lot of courage and a lot of thought um, before you actually do it. But don't, you know, don't try to procrastinate. Try to give yourself, like, a due date, you know. I mean, at least at least for my, my personal advice uh, was giving myself like a bit of a due date. Like, do it by this time or it's not going to happen. And also one thing for me is I wanted to tell my immediate, you know, immediate family in person Um so for me, it was like, if I don't tell my brother, it was last, you know, last Christmas break, but I don't tell him on Christmas break, next time will be spring break when I come back, if he's in town during the same time, or it'll be during the summer. So it was like, you know, I had to like give myself a bit of a due date. And also talking about coming out to the extended family. Um, I don't know, again, every situation is different, but for me, it's definitely, if I come out to one, in a ways I had to come out to all of them. Because like, I don't know how much they chat, but in Indian circles, they can be very, very, very chatty and nosy. We all have, we all know the, we all know the one auntie. We all know the one auntie is going to tell everyone. Like you tell her, half of India will know, and all the family in the U.S. will know. <laughs> so you definitely do have to think. Okay, if I tell someone, could this get out? And before I know, everyone I know knows. Yeah, I, that's. I haven't come out to my extended family. I keep telling my mom, well, I will tell y'all as like advice, talk to your parents first about coming out to the extended family because they might have preferences. Like something I'm like, my mom wanted was she herself wanted to tell my, my grandmother and grandfather, her parents, because that's the conversation she wants to have with them because, you know, like Ethiopians. <laughs> um I mean like it, it's it's tricky because like um like in in Ethiopia like like they're all like born and raised over there and over there it's like can be punishable by like death uh, being gay so it's it's like a um it would be a shock it would also be a shock because uh, you I don't come off as gay I guess <laughs> you know my girlfriend even said I didn't know you were gay when I first met you I was like okay I sure sure okay um but yeah it's definitely a shock so talk to your parents about it because they might have some preferences with how it's done and as much as like 
I know people will be like, oh, it shouldn't be this way. Oh, it shouldn't be this way. No, it shouldn't, but it is. That's the way it is. You just gotta accept the situation for what it is and do what has the minimum amount of damage to your relationships with your family because I know people want to get on this like if your family's toxic if your family doesn't like doesn't agree with you on this 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 and this cut them off and it's, it's so much easier said than done in BIPOC circles and in BIPOC families because of like our point from earlier I feel like where it's like we already have such a limited community like am I supposed to like like this this is like my family and like even though I know that some of them like won't see face to face to me and don't won't accept me holistically for who I am um like there's still the people who like wiped my ass when I was a little kid um and bailed my bailed my my mom and dad out of like really you know terrible like situations like helped out a lot with raising me and like like things like that like and, and I don't know like in a lot of BIPOC cultures that's just not what you do to family like like you know like if, if family I mean I I feel like personally like y'all can like check me on this family means so much more in like BIPOC communities because like like think about just the way that like our families work and like I was talking to my friends about this earlier it's like I think it's like more common for like in like white families frankly like putting your parents in homes and like doing this and that it's just not something we it's it's just not something we do you know like the way that like you regard family uh, in BIPOC communities it's just different so I personally I personally like I care a lot about you know maintaining those relationships and there's there's a difference between cutting out people who are making it hard for me to like exist in my own skin and people who it's just like okay like like let's like 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 we can just keep it to ourselves like you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. um so yeah and go ahead Trey and one thing too about you know potentially toxic family cutting them off you know of course you know again people said the whole thing like thing off you know if you don't if they don't like you cut them off but also it's just like at the end of the day you know that is your your mother that's your father it's your brother it's your sister that's your family and it's going to hurt if they don't approve of you like if I was you know if I was in a situation where my my family didn't approve of me I would be very very hurt you know it's it's definitely not just you know if it you know we have to consider that like um I was gonna say I have to consider that like it can it can hurt a lot if they um they don't approve of you and also I do want to touch on the whole you know the family dynamics I will say it's definitely of course I don't want to speak for all BIPOC communities but I will say it does I do see kind of the whole thing of like family meeting a lot like for example like in Indian families like you know everyone like everyone may be in everyone's business but that's what everyone's in everyone's business everyone's looking out for each other if one if someone in the family is not doing well you know it's like everybody comes and helps so you don't need to ask for help they'll just come help you because it's your family um and I mean, that's definitely, if you were to lose that support structure, the support structure wasn't as strong as it was before, it can be very hard to, to go on without it, especially if it's among people, you know, like your parents or your brother or sister, um, that could be a very hard loss that you'll grieve if you were to lose it. I think it goes back to, I'm sorry, I forgot your name in the yellow shirt, what you were saying. Um, Nicole, was sorry. Nicole um I think it goes back to what you're saying about like when you come out like having that support system already in place with like a chosen family um because you do need to be prepared for like losing your family or at least losing them losing them in the capacity that they currently act in like they can be the people that you see like every now and then sure it's like changing a relationship so having that support system in place is important before you come out yeah I definitely agree with that yeah that's I think that was like one of the most perfect like uh if there is a perfect tip for anybody is making sure you have that safety net of a person who's going to affirm you and going to accept you that is why I came out to my friends first Mm -hmm. um and I also think it's really important because this was something I didn't do was having that conversation with your parents and be like, hey, 
uh, how do you want to go about this for like telling like grandma or whoever in the family? Because I told my parents, I came out on social media and I purposely came out on social media because there were certain family members that didn't have me on there. But then my mom is the talker and immediately went and outed me to her parents. And that it was, it, he's, my grandfather is super Trumpy and it was just, it was so uncomfortable. And I felt like I was betrayed in that situation, but if it was, it was just a lack of communication. And now she knows like, oh, I didn't even realize and didn't think twice about doing so because you were out and you looked so happy. And I just wanted you to, I wanted everyone to know how happy you were. But um, other than that, is there anything else that want, anyone wants to add uh, before we close up? I guess just pro tip for like your friends coming out, everybody is like, don't assume, don't ever assume that your friend is out to everyone ever unless they explicitly say so like like somebody can be out in one setting and not the other so like when you like like jump like to a certain area and you say oh my friend who's this you know um you know like they may where you're currently speaking they may not be out in that specific area so just always assume that your friend is not out even if they're out to you even if they're out to seemingly like everyone in your circle don't offer that information to people let them self you know like do that for themselves I, I would say like in, if you're trying to support your friends and their journey um it, it, you don't even think about it sometimes you feel like you know outing somebody would be like oh this person's that to somebody who like wouldn't know it's not as overt as that all the time it's simply even something as simple as like offering somebody else their pronouns let them give that information to other people so yeah I also just wanted to add you don't have to come out to everybody mm -hmm. like it's not necessary that every single person you encounter on a regular basis knows your sexuality, your gender identity, whatever. That's not that important, especially if it's gonna compromise your safety and your sanity. Um, I wear your sexuality with pride, but also like, that's not something you have to do if it's gonna make you uncomfortable um, in every space, so. No, it's definitely one thing. It's, <laughs> there's definitely one thing is, at the end of the day, your safety and health take priority. If that if coming out could put that at risk, then don't do it. Um, because you 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 don't want to be in a situation where your safety is in jeopardy. Um, and also one more thing too about um coming out is you know, I something y'all may have heard this on, on whoever's listening, is that it is a recurring thing, it's like an endless thing. Because we, you know, we do live in a society where the assumption is that you're cis and het. So as you meet new people in your life, you will likely have to come out to them as exhausting as it is. Yeah, but don't feel like you owe you owe a formal coming out like to everybody. Like if for you the style of informal coming out, as you put it, I like that terminology. I've never heard that before. Of just like, oh yeah, like this is just like like just talking how you would if you were in like say like a man and had it like a girlfriend like it like talking how anybody any cishet person would talk about that by just saying oh my boyfriend like like if just going about how you would usually talk if that works for you do that like that's fine you don't owe everybody a formal coming out yeah or yeah you you don't owe anybody anything <laughs> And I'm a big fan of informal coming out. I've never like came out formally. I'm always just like, yeah, we don't need to discuss anything, but that that's what's up with me. So Here you go. do yeah. it, do it without what you will. That uncomfortable conversation, just blow right by it. Yep. Now you know. Speed through it. All right. Well, we are coming to a close on our time and like how much we have. I want to say thank you to everybody who joined us, who's here and who has left already for sharing. So feeling so safe to share your own uh, identity and your own story along with this and also giving advice to the people that uh, have been looking for this information. Um, to close out, uh, if there's anything that we have in the next coming weeks um, from anybody here that you want to uh, talk about a little bit more, pitch it and uh, put it out there so that we can 
continue to lift our voices and share what's going on in our communities. I'm going to go look at the MCC calendar. I will say for Kupaka meetings, we meet every Thursday from 535 to 635 in Chappelle. That is the um, multicultural center, the lounge in there. So come by. It's right by, it's right outside Benson. Super, super fun. Uh, this week, which you guys are going to miss if you don't come, uh, this is being recorded on a Wednesday, um, but tomorrow we're having like pancakes and Play-Doh, uh, so I can't say come to that, That's like, but that's like the type of thing we did last time. Last week we had like bingo, where essentially, um, you know, you had to find a person who was wearing white shoes or who's from Texas, like just trying to like icebreaker shit um so yeah we have some other fun things coming up that are not finalized because we are a very new club we literally just became a registered our uh, student organization last spring um but we have ideas for things like cupocalypse uh, <laughs> uh and other like cool things that like we're hoping will be really fun we're looking for a first-year representative we're looking for we're two first-year representatives we're looking for some extra culture show coordinators uh and event coordinators and pr coordinators we the more the merrier on our team we need people we need bodies because we're so new we need not only as many ideas as possible but as much help as possible so please please not only come to the meetings but like be open to come and join board it should be fun but as for MCC as a whole, uh, I can't think of anything as of now. <laughs> oh, but for my play, can I plug that? I'm actually directing a play this quarter. Um, so this will be coming out Tuesday, week four, National Coming Out Day. Um, the week, the following week, week five, the October 22nd and 23rd, uh, will be the opening and closing. It's a one week only, one weekend only of a play I'm directing, Poof by Lynn Nottage, uh, who is a two-time Pulitzer Prize winning Black female playwright. Super, super amazing demonstration of, you know, Black female friendships um, and Black womanhood. Beautiful play. It's a hilarious comedy about an abusive husband, a woman with an abusive husband. Um, it's, it's funny, I promise, it's funny. <laughs> um, it should be interesting. We have one person who's casted, who's an experienced actor, and one person who's never acted a day in their, a day in her life. So it's been a fun time directing. So definitely, definitely come check it out. And then for the queer folks, uh, my friend Lucas Simone is directing a queer play. So uh, come check that out as well. It's the same, it's the same show. <laughs> uh, yeah. October uh, 22nd, 23rd. <laughs> I was just gonna say it, October 22nd, 23rd, end of week five. <laughs> uh, the Rainbow Resource Center on October 29th is hosting a queer horror movie night. Um, we'll be watching Rift. Currently the location is not set yet. Mm -hmm. It's pending. But October 29th, look out for the flyers. Uh, and then I will also use this time to plug myself. Uh, Rainbow Resource Center also has a weekly program that I run uh, called Queer Craft Corner. It, it's a space on every Friday from 11.30 to 1 p.m. at the OML house. We just have different crafts set up for people to come talk, share, share some cheese night, like just come talk, share yourself. Uh, and okay, sure, I will see you later. Thank you for joining. Um, yes, Queer Craft Corner, 11.30 to uh, 1.30 p.m. at the OML House, different crafts going on. This, this will come out afterwards, but for example, this Friday, we're gonna be making embroidered paintings. So if any of y'all in the chat or wanna come, uh, making beautiful paintings together, and then also just hanging out, listening to music, having snacks and all that stuff. And then on October 21st, we're going to do something new with Queer Craft Corner, uh, which I am calling our guest artist spotlight. Uh, we're going to have Riley Jane from the Central Valley come in and have a button design workshop where she'll teach you how to make, how she makes her buttons and her pins. Uh, and also you'll if you register now, because there's an RSVP form that I will also link, 
uh, you will get some of her artwork for free because we're already going to buy it from her. Uh, so if, you're, if that's something you're interested, please come out and look for those flyers as well. Um, anything else before we, we wrap up for good? No? Okay. Well, this has been another successful episode of Word on the Street and OML and RSC podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, look out for us again in the near future. All right. Bye, y'all.